0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yannion. today I want to tell you how do you answer the world that comes at you? They're questioning us on every hand. Try to come against us, drag us over into psychology, psychiatry, but I just simply wanted to tell you, don't get dragged into their territory. Pull them into yours. Use the Word of God. What is your defense in standing up for the Lord Jesus Christ? It's the
1: beauty and the power of the Word of God, which they cannot answer. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian.
0: Hello, this is Pastor Bob. Thanks again for joining us with Student of the Word. Today, I want to talk to you about, there's a Greek word, apologia, we call it apologetics, but really it's not an apology for anything. It's our defense of where we stand. When people approach us, we have an answer for them. We're talking about today that it really comes from the word of God. What is our defense when the world comes against us and why would we use the word? I want to qualify that. In fact, if you want to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, this is where we're going to begin. But when the world comes against us, they come against us with psychology, psychiatry, they come against us with the world's knowledge, they come at us with the world's viewpoint, but we're to come back at them at the biblical viewpoint, God's viewpoint, the divine viewpoint of life and the divine viewpoint on every question they could possibly arise. And what happens is they have no defense for this. We're gonna talk about that today. So while you're finding 2 Timothy chapter three, let me just again greet all those who are joining for the first time. Those of you who maybe have been uh, watching for some time and those of you who've been watching for a long, long time, thanks again for joining us. And for those who are partners, thank you again for being a partner with us. I appreciate it so much. And to let you know the impact of this particular ministry, we get get letters, a lot of letters. And uh, I just recently started saying, we need to talk about these because we get so many of them, kind of categorize them together pull a few out and read them. First one I want to read to you came from Val, and he says, I attended your church in Tulsa in the late 80s and early 90s, and you were the best preacher and pastor I had. I learned so much from you. I moved to rural Oklahoma and i am struggling to find a good spirit-filled Bible teaching church here. I attend a small church, and I was struggling, so the Lord led me to you I found student of the word on my direct TV and I praise God for again, having forgotten about you that God now brings me back to you. So keep doing what you're doing. I praise God for leading me back to your ministry. And again, Val, thank you so much. Here's a real quick one. This one probably amplifies you know, hundreds that come in, just very short to the point. This is from Holly. Thank you for your wonderful teaching. We learn so much from you. Well, listen, I'm glad to be teaching because that's exactly what I want is for people to learn things. I'm a teacher of the word of God. I'm not a preacher, although sometimes I do like to shout a little bit, but I like to teach the word of God. Just take it and open it up and explain. And to me, there's nothing complicated in the word of God. I don't like people say, well, you know, the Bible's so complicated we won't understand it till we get to heaven. I agree there's some things we will understand better when we get to heaven, but God tried to make the word of God so simple, the Bible says that a fool couldn't err in it. And so God was always, again, uh, in the Old Testament, New Testament, amplifying things to make it simple. And Jesus, especially, since his ministry was just to people on the street, farmers and fishermen and uh, housewives and, and, Young people, he was constantly making it simple so they could understand with parables. Parables really brought it down to where the people could understand it. When Jesus said it's like throwing, uh, it's like throwing seed in the ground, the farmers all went, yeah. And when he says it's like throwing a, a net into the ocean, pulling in the fish, everybody went, yes. And when he says it's like putting in, uh, yeast into a loaf of bread, the, the women could, that baked could say, yes. He brought it down to their everyday life when he saw that it was getting over their head. And the same thing is true today. The word of God has power. I want to qualify something about the word of God. The word of God has things to introduce and make things simple, but it's also got things that as you grow in the word of God, they do become simple, but they're difficult for the unrenewed mind or for the sinner. Those are verses we shouldn't get into because we're not out to prove theology to them. But when there's simple answers from the word of God, we need to throw scripture in there, quote a verse of scripture, because all of a sudden you have dragged them into territory they're not familiar with. They like to drag you into their territory. And no, God says you simply bring them back. Jesus did this throughout the word of God. In his ministry, he would bring them over to the scriptural part and tie their hands. They wouldn't know what to do because there is no answer in the natural for the word of God. It only takes a simple yes, agreeing with God, and then your answers begin to come. Let's take a look at 2 Timothy chapter three, verses one through three. Knowing this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Folks, we are in the last days. These are perilous times. And you know this, they're not getting any easier. They're getting worse, but they're going to get worse before they get better. When Jesus comes back and just takes over this planet, it goes on to say men will be lovers of themselves. Everything that follows this amplifies this one statement. People will be lovers of themselves. Everything revolves around themselves. Me, 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 what I want. It goes on to say lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unthankful means everything is owed me. Next of all, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. Notice this next word, slanderers, the weapon of the world is words. They use slanderous things that they're always looking for slander because most people aren't expecting it. They're expecting a dialogue and they don't get it. They just get this anger from somebody and to throw you on the defensive. So this is what slander is. It goes on to say, without self-control, brutal, and despisers of good. But listen, what the word of God tells us also is their words should never hurt us. Look at 1 Peter chapter three. I wanna take a look at verses 13 through 17. And here it says in this verse of scripture, who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Now this is followers of Jesus and the good here is divine good. If you become a follower of Jesus and begin to follow the plan for divine good in the earth, who is he that's gonna harm you? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, Sake, you're blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats or be troubled. Notice how they come at you, slanderous and with threats. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart, and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who ask you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience. So when they defame you as an evildoer, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. So what do we use as a defense? We again come back to it's either the scripture or scriptural principles, something we have a foundation for. And so this is what the word of God is for. In fact, look at Colossians chapter four. We're gonna start with a lot of scripture and then amplify what we're studying here. At Colossians chapter four at the close, of this epistle, Paul is talking to the Colossians and simply tell them how to walk before the world, how to act before the world. And he said in verses five and six, he says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Let me tell you what wisdom is. Wisdom is the correct application of the word of God. Knowledge is input of the word of God, but wisdom is the correct application of it. To use it, what put it together inside of you and correctly use it in front of the world. Not in evil, not in anger, just present it. So walk in wisdom toward those who are on the outside. Notice this, redeeming the time. Those on the outside are unbelievers. Those on the inside of those who have joined the rank of the church. It goes there to say here, redeeming the time. The best way to redeem the time is by walking in the wisdom of God. Let your speech be always with grace and seasoned with salt. Two things are required when you talk to the world, those outside. How do you do this? Well, let first of all, let your speech be with grace. That means be loving toward them, be kind toward them as Jesus Christ was whenever he witnessed to people he was loving and kind toward them. Next of all, seasoned with salt. The salt is the word of God. Notice you don't throw salt at them. You don't throw chunks at them. You season it. Let your words have a little bit of scriptural application to them or from the scripture enough to where they'll understand this is not just the words of men. He goes on to say that you may know how you ought to answer everyone, and everyone is a sinner and a saint. A sinner comes at you for salvation and argues with you, but a saint comes at you for wanting to live a sanctified life. You do, and they don't. So again, no matter who we talk to, whether it's a sinner or a saint, we should use the grace of God, the love of God, and again, you're going to attract more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. So you you can come at them with the love of God. And next of all, you season your words with the Word of God. In other words, have some spiritual application, or you might throw a scripture into a sentence. And again, it's not that you preach the Word at them, but you apply the Word of God in cases where it matters. And so, so it says you ought to you know you will know how you ought to answer every man. In other words, you don't need to explain the word you don't need to preach the word. You just need to let it out there. T.L. Osborne said one time, I was talking to him and he was telling me about the first time he went to minister, and God had laid on his heart he would be a missionary, he would be an evangelist, he would have signs and wonders. And so he went to Tibet. This is the place he went there to minister to those that were there, those uh those monks that were there. He said he got there, and he said the thing the whole meeting was set up. He said all these monks were sitting in front of him in orange with their legs crossed, as far as he could see. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of them came to hear him, and he said he preached the word that day. He said when it was all over, he gave an invitation and no one came. He said, they all just sat there and stared at him. He went back to his room because no one came to get saved. No one came to get healed. He went back to his room and fell on the bed and began to cry and said, God, all this time, all this money, you talked to me years ago. I've been preparing all this time. This meeting has taken a long time to set up, invitations sent out, all these men coming. And I went to preach today and nothing happened. He said, Father, he said, I preached the word. And all of a sudden the Lord interrupted him, said, you didn't preach the word. He said, but Lord, he says, no, you didn't preach the word. He said, yes, I did. He said, no, you didn't. He said, you explained the word. You didn't preach it. He said, you need to just let it go. Let it go by itself. By explaining it, you think it needs your help. God doesn't need your help in presenting the gospel. You just present the gospel in simplicity and just let it out. He went back the next day and said, I just let her rip. I, He said, I just told what the Bible said without going into an explanation. He said, by the end of it, the anointing of God was so strong there, men were jumping up and running to the front of the place to receive Jesus signs, wonders and miracles begin to happen. And the same thing is true with the word. You don't need to explain. God, just let it out there. Yeah, put the salt out there, but don't explain the salt. Just in other words, take the word of God and flavor what you're putting out there and let God's word speak for itself. We are to speak the truth in love. The world gives you lies in anger. God wants you to speak the truth in love. This is Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 14 in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse one says that a soft answer turns away wrath. That's just why, again, we give them loving answers. You know, there was a time when uh, Tom Selleck was on The View. And Whoopi Goldberg was just letting him have it. I mean, she was just coming out from everywhere. And Tom Selleck, again, I, I don't know if he's a Christian or not. I know he's conservative, but he just sat there and he would not yield to her anger. He would not get angry back. And she kept trying from every direction and he would give a soft answer. And finally, after a while, she apologized to him. It took quite a while, but she apologized to him for her anger and she complimented on him and how well mannered he was in answering the questions. This is how we should be when it comes to being a Christian, but we don't have to just give natural answers. We can sprinkle the truth of God's word on there, season our sentences with salt. And this is what God is saying. Uh, When we come back from the break, I'm going to tell you a story about when I went to Oklahoma City and spoke there and a, a description of what this is saying here and the power that it had. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 19 says that whenever you're brought before unbelievers, they're screaming and yelling at you. It says, don't think. It will be given to you in that hour what you're supposed to speak. God's Holy Spirit has been sent to you to help you in giving answers to people. In other words, giving an answer to an unbeliever is really a form of witnessing. And the Holy Spirit is the power given to you, especially by being filled with the Holy Spirit. He is the power that's been given to you. So when using him, he will says, you will basically have an answer for every situation. No one will be able to back you into a wall any more than Jesus did. They had every kind of trick question for him, but yet every time he came out on top and made them look bad without trying to make them look bad. He just presented the truth of God's Word. How you do that, we'll talk about when it comes back. We'll see you right after the break.
1: As believers, we are on this earth at this place and time for a purpose, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Would you like to find out what the Bible has to say about witnessing and how to witness by the power of the Holy Spirit? then order your copy of Bobby Indian's teaching series titled Winning Your World. Winning Your World is available as a six CD series for $25 or as an MP3 download for $15. To order, visit bobyandian.com or call 918-250-2207. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified, redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, I told you right at the break, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 19
0: says this, don't think. I like that. Basically, just don't think about it. When people come at you, don't try to figure an answer because they are coming at you mentally. They want you to return it mentally. In other words, if they can pull you into their arena, they have you. Pull them back into your arena. Don't think, depend on the Holy Spirit and let your answers be in line with the word of God. I was invited by a lady in our church. She was a senator from Oklahoma City, with state government. I'd known her for years back. My wife and I knew her from uh, the time we first met. She sang in the choir with us at church and she was there anyway. And she attended our church while I was pastoring. I got a call from her one day and she said, I want you to come next week to Oklahoma City. There's gonna be a protest on capital punishment. And I want you to present the biblical view of, of capital punishment. And I said, is there going to be a whole lot of people there? She said, oh no, just a few people coming. She lied to me. Okay. She repented later. But she lied to me. That place was packed. Thousands of people with plaques and screaming and yelling against capital punishment. I came in there and I mean, when I when uh, it was my turn, they had introduced me. I walked up there and the the, the The moderator calmed the whole crowd down and said, give this preacher a chance to speak. So they all calmed down, And I walked up there and started to speak. And a man stood up at the back of the auditorium and screamed at me and said, how can you serve a God that murdered his own son? And I stopped for just a moment. My first thought was, I've never heard that before. I've never heard that used as an argument. And all of a sudden I thought, God, you better give me an answer. And boy, did he ever. I mean, I just turned it over to him and he gave me an answer. I said, sir, Jesus did not die because God killed him. Jesus said, you cannot take my life from me. I lay it down when I want to. I pick it up when I want to. And on the cross, Jesus said, father, into your hands, I dismiss my spirit and he gave up the ghost. Jesus didn't. I said this. Jesus did not die because God, the father killed him. Jesus Christ died of his own free will and because he chose to do that. He took the sins of everybody here, past, present, future, all of you laid them on Jesus. And after three days and three nights, God raised him from the dead. God didn't kill his son. He raised him from the dead. And when he raised him from the dead, all sins were taken care of. All you need to do now is just receive him as your Lord and Savior. I said, every head bowed, every eye closed. There must have been 12, 1300 people there that day. They all bowed their head. It was as quiet as could be. And I led them in a sinner's prayer. I expect to get to heaven and find out a lot of people on that day, that short statement that I made backed by the word of God changed everything around. And went what went from yelling and screaming by this one man went to dead quiet and then an opportunity to lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who despise you will try to pull you on their side. They'll pull you into psychology, but you're not a psychologist, so don't try to be. They'll pull you into a debate. You're not debating. Don't try to debate them. Use the word. Pull them on. Your side, let them be the ones that are embarrassed. Let them be the ones that are ashamed with an attitude of grace. Simply say when you're talking, it is written in the Word of God. I told them that. I said, The Bible says when Jesus was on the cross, he said, Father, into your hands, I dismiss my spirit. Jesus died of his own free will. Jesus spoke to most of his critics in love with the Word of God. He only spoke in anger after many unfruitful confrontations, such as Matthew 23, where he finally had up to ear. He couldn't seem to get through to them. No matter what he said, they turned around and twisted it, told lies to the public, and finally he came back and let them have it. And you know how he let him have it? With the word of God. The same with John the Baptist. Matthew chapter three, verses seven through 12, he answered back his critics with the word of God by quoting scripture to them. God's word needs no outside proof. God's word needs no outside defense. Romans chapter three says, as it is written, and there he quotes the Psalms and the prophets. There is none righteous, no, not one. God exalted his word above himself. Nothing is higher, no one else is higher, but something is higher. His word has been exalted. When he can swear by no greater, he swore by himself. God simply says, outside of me, there is no other answer. So God simply incorporates everything into one. If the word wants to prove something, it quotes itself, because everything else is beneath the word of God. People often say, yeah, but Buddha doesn't say that. Why should we quote Buddha? It's below the word of God. The Bible doesn't quote Buddha. The Bible doesn't quote other philosophers. Many books do that. they say, well, this philosopher, this philosopher, and they're trying to prove their point. If the word of God wants to prove something, it just quotes itself. And that's why you'll find in the New Testament, so much of the Old Testament is quoted. And many times, certain scriptures are quoted three and four times in the word of God. Every idea, every philosophy, every religion is beneath the word of God. Who can add to God's person or what he has already written? In the Old Testament, 2150 times it says, thus saith the Lord. In the New Testament, 51 times the New Testament basis of that is it is written. I love that word is right there. It stands in the perfect tense and simply means this, not that it is written. It has always been written before the foundation of the world and literally means it stands written. It not only is in the past, it's not only in the present, it will go on forever because nothing ever changes the word of God. The word of God lives and abides forever. The word of God does not defend that it's written by God. It assumes it as a fact as we do the theory of gravity. Jesus quoted the word of God about himself and about his ministry. If you don't believe what Jesus said about the word, then you won't believe what Jesus said about himself because he quoted about himself in the word of God. If the word of God says it, it is true. Now there's a lot of things in the word of God that aren't true, but it truly did happen. I mean, there's things such as, you know, so-and-so killed himself and -and so-and-so murdered somebody else. It's not saying that's right. It's just a fact actual presentation of what happened. But the word of God is not called a truth. It is the truth. I am the way, the truth and the life. Jesus said so. So the word of God is the truth. Everything else may be close to it other things are close to it, but you know what? Only the word of God comes from God itself. Jesus declared himself to be the revealed word of God. He said he fulfilled Old Testament prophecies about himself. Hebrews chapter 10, this is my favorite Christmas verse. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 5 through 7 says this, when he came into the world, this is Jesus Christ as a brand new baby, when he came into the world and he was born of Mary in the manger, when he came into the world, he he said, now, he didn't roll over and say this to Mary. She would have freaked out. He said it from his deity on the inside to the father who had just sent him in and created a human body for him. He said, when he came into the world, sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. When he was in that manger, And laying there from his deity, he began to talk to the father and said, you sent me here for a purpose. You sent me here on a mission. You gave me a body so that I could associate with other human beings around me. Because up until now in burnt offerings and sacrifices, you had no pleasure. Now I have come to do your will and you will have eternal pleasure in what I'm going to do on the cross. And there will be no other reason for offerings and sacrifices. I have come in the volume of the book simply means I've come to fulfill Every Old Testament scripture written about me, and I've come to do your will, O God. To verify that he was the son of God, he quoted the word, As a young boy at 12 years old, he spoke of his mission in the temple in front of the Pharisees and said he came to do the will of his father. At the introduction of his public ministry, he spoke to his hometown in the synagogue. He announced to sinners and he announced to saints the scripture he was reading from was fulfilled in their ears that day. He quoted Isaiah 61 and said, all these thousands of years since this was written, it's been waiting to be fulfilled, and today I stand here and I fulfill this in your ears. Boy, the people of his hometown were mad. They thought how arrogant this kid is. He's the carpenter's son. Our our rocking chair was made by him. Our, Our chest was made over there by him. And who does he think he is? And Jesus stood there and quoted and said, this day is this fulfilled in your ears. He used Isaiah 61 as the only proof of being Messiah. He didn't quote someone else, someone else. He simply pulled a scripture out of the word of God. And once you've done that, there is nothing higher that you need. Are you beginning to get some ideas when you answer back the world with the simplicity of a scripture of which if you'll just be silent for a moment, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you and give you one. If you do that, you shut mouths up everywhere because there's an anointing on the word of God that there is not on the philosophers of this world, on the religious leaders of this world, No one carries an anointing like Jesus Christ and nothing carries an anointing like his word. Jesus knew how to find the text from Isaiah, though it had no chapter and verse separations in it. He is well acquainted and well accomplished in handling the verses. He quotes Isaiah, why? Because he wrote it. At the introduction of his ministry, he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by Satan. And Satan tempted Jesus three times to follow him. And Jesus came back all three times with Deuteronomy. At every attack, he said, it is written. If Jesus could say it's written we can say it's written. Quoting the word is using the true sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. To say it's written, you must first of all know it's written and the Holy Spirit can pull it from the inside of you and bring it up at the exact right moment that you need. Jesus quoted the word to believers and unbelievers. Jesus defended taxes from the law in front of unbelievers as giving to God the things that belong to God and to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. In marriage and divorce, he went back to Genesis chapter two teaching that the two would become one. He explained to the Jews that he was eternal God. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and not I was, I am. Using the name for God, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the living, not the dead. And before Abraham was, I am, I previously existed. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are alive. That's exactly what he was telling them. And they are not dead. Jesus quoted the word on his resurrection day. He joined two men on the road to Emmaus and spoke of the resurrection from the Old Testament and showed himself from Moses throughout all the prophets. The New Testament writers, the gospels and the epistles, five times Matthew uses it, it is written. Seven times Mark uses it, it is written. 14 times Luke in his gospel in the book of Acts said, it is written. Seven times John in his gospel, in his epistles, in the book of Revelation said, it is written. 17 times Paul used the only proof needed, it is written. One time Peter said, it is written. And the same thing has been given to us. The word has been twisted, but it cannot be changed. It's been distorted, but it cannot be changed. And when we use the word of God before the world, we are using the highest standard that God has given in life and in eternity. It stands written, needs nothing else. What am I simply saying? Go to the word of God. Know those scriptures, but simply open yourself up at the right time and the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to say and it'll go with the word of God or it will be the word of God. God will give you answers, which cannot be questioned. See you next
1: time. You can order resources, become a partner or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.